Hi, everyone. Welcome to the February 12th, 2021 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get to the rest of our topics, let's do a quick take, a lightning round, if you will, on the big news that we've seen headline-wise, the different Coloradans that have been involved in the impeachment trial in Washington, D.C. Patty Calhoun, we'll start with you. We've seen Joe Neguse. We've seen Diana DeGette. National headlines. What's your takeaway from what we've seen? And, of course, following in Jason Crow's footsteps from the first impeachment uh, series, I have to say, Joe Neguse, he has hit the top of the charts. If you watch traffic, people are very interested in him. He did a good job. David Copeland from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. The results seem a cafe accompli, but the theater has been interesting, especially the Colorado connections. What are your thoughts? Well, people around the country got to see what Coloradans already know, which is Joe Neguse and Diana DeGette are very are articulate and intelligent. Uh, Neguse is certainly right when he says if you don't convict, uh, you'll get more of this. Just like when Bill Clinton was not convicted for flagrant perjury in a case involving his sexual harassment of a state employee, we got lots more lying after he got away with it. We'll get lots more political violence because Trump's getting gotten away with it. And as his lawyers have pointed out accurately, lots of people in the U.S. House of Representatives are also calling for political violence, and they've gotten away with it, too. Eric Sonneman, columnist with, the, with Colorado Politics and the Denver Gazette. Uh, we saw a whole lot of national coverage of Colorado folks. What did you think? Well, if it's February, it must be time for a Trump impeachment. Uh, I thought Neguse, I, when I saw Joe Neguse in action, I thought of the Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga movie two years ago, A Star is Born. I think on a national level, we did witness a star being born uh, this week on the sort of loser side of it. Obviously, Donald Trump being held to account here. Donald Trump's defense attorneys, who had a very rough start uh, at the start of this week on Tuesday. We'll see if they perform better today. Uh, and then that troika of Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, jurors who decided it was appropriate to meet with the defense and work on their strategy last night. Rounding out the panel, Natasha Gardner, freelance journalist. Natasha, there was a lot to see here. Uh, Coloradans were, were used to seeing Diana to get in Jonah Goose, but not on uh, national networks. What did you think? Well, I think they did well, very well on a national stage. I think they were well prepared. And and in some ways, um, that was because the evidence um, was so, so, so obvious and presentable to the American public, but also to the people in the room. In specific, though, if Colorado could adopt someone, I'd like to make an effort to adopt Eugene Goodman. We knew he was a hero before this, but his actions, which we were able to see actually play out on tape on those video recordings, I mean, what a true American, just a great example of her heroic actions in a moment of crisis. Let's get to it. Last weekend, Colorado updated the COVID risk measurement to dial 2.0 based on a bigger range of metrics that are considered every seven days instead of every 14 days. Meanwhile, Mayor Hancock and other Denver officials and organizations are advocating for homeless residents to be prioritized for vaccines due to their vulnerability to the virus. Polis has, Governor Polis has denied the request, saying that prioritizing younger, healthier people who are homeless would mean risking the lives of those 70 and up. Patty, uh, we've looked at a lot of the whole priority thing, and I think it's only going to get messier from here. But this whole battle of where the homeless should be, as if it was just one big conglomeration of people, uh, that seems to be capturing the headlines. What did you think about the conversations back and forth? 
Well, I think we're on Groundhog Day week three because we're starting out talking about COVID at the very moment that Governor Polis is having yet another press conference. So what we're talking about now might be changed very quickly. But in general, last week, he moved us down to where we're now at level yellow, which means you can have 50 percent capacity in a lot of venues, restaurants. You're still keeping social distancing and mask rules, but things are easing up a little bit. Live music venues are open plenty of places that I hope are warm this weekend. I would like to see a lot of the homeless people being able to go into shelters this weekend, whether or not they get vaccinated. And one of the issues is, do they feel safe in a shelter if they haven't been vaccinated? But you can see that Polis also wants to make sure the 70-year-olds have had their vaccines and the vulnerable people 65 and over, people with comorbidities get their chance. So it might be we have to see Denver going on a slightly different path and Colorado allowing that to happen for the people who need to get into shelters. David, we talked about a lot about local control on this issue, and this seems where it's actually come to uh, a battle. You have the governor saying, no, we're not going to do that. You have a mayor saying, this is what we'd like to do. It really comes down to who would have control over the vaccines. Um, with the governor overriding this decision so far, is that the right way it should go? Well, all, all these dials, which keep changing, remind me of the, the Wizard of Oz's grand machinery, which is this impressive facade for the, uh, the gullible, uh, but it was really just somebody's arbitrary uh, will and, and discretion. And that, that arbitrariness has caused the loss, uh, just in the past couple months, of 24,000 jobs in the restaurant and hospitality industry. We had an unemployment rate below 3% before the uh, CCP virus came. Now it's up at 8.4%. A 2% increase just in the last few months. We're now worse than New Mexico, which is really saying something. Um, on the homeless, uh, Mayor Hancock was talking to Vice President Harris about getting the vaccines delivered uh, directly to him so he could do what he calls his equity focus. And what that means is somebody who chooses to live on the streets, uh, live the meth, crystal meth lifestyle, gets to cut in line ahead of somebody who's 80 years old and, and has diabetes and high blood pressure. Uh, that doesn't seem like equity. That seems very unfair. Eric, it seems like there's a bigger fight brewing here because, as I told Patty, I don't think these fights are going to get any easier. There's going to be more and more groups looking to have their place in line and more and more arguments about who needs to go ahead of which one. Uh, what do you think about this current battle, battle or at least disagreement of policy between Polis and Hancock? Yeah, I mean, first of all, starting with Polis, Dominic, uh, and I've generally been supportive over the last 11 months, going on a year here, of, of his diligent, conscientious way of handling this. David talked about these dials and the arbitrariness, arbitrariness of them. Uh, I'm going to use a different word. I, I don't think it's arbitrary. I think they're just overly complex. I think but constantly changing these dials, constantly changing the color coding, People are having trouble just following following the moving ball. Um, I'm not suggesting that the seven-day measurements uh, are, are a bad idea. It's just we're adding layer of complexity upon layer of complexity. I think uh, Governor Polis also made a misstep here in allowing his spouse, Marlon Reese, the first gentleman, to get a vaccine. Is it a capital offense? No, it's not a capital offense. Is he the only governor or mayor, high-profile politician who's brought his spouse in on the action? Of course, no. But symbolically, it was a misstep. It was a mistake. 
in terms of the whole vaccine rollout, and I did get my vaccine this week, being part of the plus 65 group that became eligible this week. And I'm, I'm very grateful that that happened. But there's a Hunger Games quality to finding your vaccine. Um, there is, again, complexity. And if you have some time on your hands, if you are computer savvy, if you have time to spend on the phone, you just need to work multiple, multiple angles because there is a lack of coordination. And yes, I am fortunate in that, um, uh, have networks, have time, have ability to work on the computer and uh, find and get registered multiple places. But there are a lot of people who don't have that opportunity. Natasha, when this started, it was easy for, I think, society as a whole, at least in Colorado, to decide who's first in line. We had healthcare workers dealing with COVID. We had the oldest amongst us in nursing homes. Okay, everyone can kind of agree on that. As we get into different groups, the debate intensifies because you can make arguments for teachers and what part of a homeless population and restaurant workers and who else is exposed. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to get any easier, but should the decision stop and end with uh, a governor in Colorado? No, it should not. I, I think with anything like this, it's bigger than one position. It's a question of our humanity. It's a question of how our ethics and our morals play out. And it's important that we have conversations and it's important people have ideas that they reach out to elected officials. I, I am glad that I am not making these decisions because it is an impossible situation. You're choosing people's lives. You're choosing between professions and pre-existing conditions and ages and, and trying to get ahead of a virus that has proven time and time again that it does not care about our politics or our policies. It is going to do what the virus does. Um, so I, I just would encourage people to have those, those conversations because they are important. Uh, on the homeless issue, I think that this is yet again a situation where we are, are dealing with the COVID implications here, the, the questions of safety as people might have to enter a homeless shelter. But the bigger question is we still um, have an incredible crisis with unhoused people in, in the city of Denver and across the state, and we still don't know how to deal with that. And right now, as we're taping this, we're looking at temperatures that are in single digits or in, in negative temperatures. These are not temperatures people should be outside in a normal normal year. This is the type of year where people would be mobilizing across the city, trying to make sure that people are getting into safe and warm environments. The problem is right now is those are those inside environments safe. This is not something we're going to resolve in the next 24 hours. But again, more conversation is only better for us to make good choices today, but also in the future if we have to deal with these situations again. Taking a look at the Colorado legislature, State Representative Matt Gray and State Senator Faith Winter have submitted a bill that would increase Colorado's budget for transportation infrastructure. If approved, the proposal will combine funds from the state's budget with increased fees for businesses and individuals. David, I recall pre-2020, we would have said, well, you can't, uh, the fees might just happen because lawmakers could do it. But then there was an election that went towards enterprise fees. So do you think these fees can be ones that Coloradans can actually vote on? No, that's the whole point. Uh, the thing that the uh, Colorado voters adopted to control fees and so-called government enterprises only apply to, to new ones. So when they increase the existing gas tax and they say, oh, it's not an extra gas tax, it's a gas fee, the Colorado Supreme Court will let them get away with that by just whatever they label it. If it's a fee, it's a fee. But the reason Colorado's roads are such a mess is not that our $30 billion out-of-control state government budget is too small. It's that the Colorado Department of Transportation is a mess. 
As the Denver Gazette reported, CDOT fired an employee who reported tens of millions of dollars of waste, fraud, and abuse just in right-of-way acquisitions. The state auditor's office found major problems in almost every one of the CDOT contracts it reviewed. CDOT spends over $210 million on consultants, far more than our neighboring states, including on a per capita basis, and more than states with a larger population like Arizona. They love giving change orders, which increase costs, just like the incompetent management at D. Uh, has done on the construction there. Uh, they spent $70 million on a new office building. And Colorado, more than almost all other states, other, it's the, we are the 12th worst in how much of our gas tax money is, gets diverted to non-road improvement projects. And Senator Winter, with her project, gas, t- gas fee increase, is promising even more that instead of putting the money into roads, she wants to build a, a railroad from uh, Pueblo to Colorado Springs. Eric, transportation issues seem to be on everyone's mind. Everyone wants better roads, but to actually try to figure out how to solve it has still been a mystery. Um, from what we've seen so far, we haven't seen all the details, but what we've seen so far, do you think this is a viable proposal? Well, I think it's viable in the sense that you have the right people leading it. Uh, Faith Winner and, and Matt Gray are, are respected within the legislature. Uh, You have a new dynamic that has been growing, which is that the Republicans are increasingly irrelevant under the gold dome. So it's not a matter of Democrats having to compromise with Republicans. Democrats can largely do this on their own if they can find an internal consensus. I think there will be as much of a battle as there usually is between Democrats and Republicans. Here it will be between legislative Democrats and potentially with Democratic Governor Polis, who uh, may have his own ideas on this subject. His spokesman was quoted the other day as uh, wanting a proposal, quote unquote, reducing gas tax or cutting annual registration fees. Well, I'm not sure that reductions or cuts are probably in the cards for most legislative Democrats. So I think there's a tension and a dynamic there to work out. And lastly, this has been for years and years and years, everyone talks about the priority of fixing our roads, of transportation funding. Everyone agrees on the priority, but the devil is always in the details. And this has been so elusive. So if they can get it done this year, more power to them. But I I still wouldn't give them overwhelming odds. Natasha, are are transportation issues in Colorado, like water issues, terribly important but nearly impossible to solve? Yes, I think that's a wonderful way to to summarize it. And I think as we've been talking about this already, one of the problems is simply identifying what the issues are. We We use big words, transportation infrastructure, but defining what those issues are, what that means to a rural community versus a metro like Denver is so vast. And that's something I think the legislature could focus on this year. Let's look at messaging. Let's look at how we get this information out there so that we, instead of using these sort of big, broad terms, really get down to what people um, might need to know about the topic. In addition, I have to say a lot of Coloradans might be a little um, out of uh, sync with what's going on. I know personally I have to take my car out this afternoon to get the battery recharged because that's how little time I have spent on the Colorado roads recently. Patty, uh, Eric talked about how there's one party in power. They don't need to get any Republican votes on this. But do you think there's an appetite uh, with the current Democrats in power to go ahead and raise fees taxes or not, however you want to look at it, that will hit nearly everybody's pocketbook. But that's going to be a tough one because there are plenty of people who are really hurting 
even if they haven't been driving their cars and paying a lot of gas taxes. The other thing is I see a division, too, between the road people and the train people, because at a certain point, what is a train going to do for rural Colorado, western Colorado? What is a train really going to do for most people? They are, it's um, not the technology people are looking at. People in Colorado still like their cars. So I think if you really want to get this through, what you would have to do is put a lot of legislatures in a socially distant bus and carry them around some of the highways out on the western slope, out on the eastern plains, and see just how bad some of those roads are. In an effort to reduce plastics pollution, Democratic Colorado lawmakers are proposing a bill that will ban certain types of plastic. The bill would gradually phase out the use of single-use plastic bags and styrofoam containers for businesses. Eric, we've seen policies like this for cities. I always bring my reusable bags when visiting Carbondale. But is a statewide policy a good idea? Well, it's probably coming. Uh, I think there, there are two big questions I have in my mind, Dominic. One is, is it imperative this year? Uh, I've read a lot of comments by legislative leaders about how the focus this year needs to be on the recovery from COVID, both from a health point of view, from a economic point of view, from a humanitarian point of view. Does this really fit into that priority and that focus? And secondly, you mentioned all the local governments that uh, many of which have such bans. Uh, the current law allows local governments to be stricter than a state standard. Uh, the retail industry and others want one standard, uh, and the question will be whether in this legislation they override local control. Uh, local control is something that I think most people respect, but increasingly we only respect it when it is convenient for our side of a particular argument. Natasha, I think most people want to do something for the environment, but I'm not sure if everyone's willing to pay for it. If I order takeout from my uh, local Mexican restaurant, Los Dos Patrios, that styrofoam container converted to something different is going to cost me more money. You have to pass on the cost to somebody. Are Coloradans ready to foot that bill? Well, interestingly that you give the example of takeout and delivery, because this is something that I've been thinking about. You know, last year as a family, we made a lot of efforts to reduce our use of plastic and we were doing great. And then COVID hit and that changed. Um, and certainly I'm nowhere near where we wanted to, thanks to deliveries and um, food takeout and, and things like that. So it, the question for me becomes, uh, is this the moment to introduce a bill like this? Now, the climate and, and what we need to do about plastics is not a topic that is going to wait, but I can imagine that it is going to be a conversation that some people might want to pause on until next year. I think that's one of the biggest challenges the legislatures will have um, when they bring this up um, during this session, but it doesn't mean that it's not a conversation we shouldn't have. Patty, do you think restaurants are going to see this as just one more hit in a disastrous year? Well, yes, and they are suffering, except I have to correct you. Los Dos Patrios does paper. Ah, it's good, the paper, paper. babe. Oh, I, I know, you. and we'll expect lunch catered next week for Los Dos Patrios, <laughs> yes, although I go to will. a different one than you do. I think this will probably pass because it's exactly what we shouldn't be focusing on right now. In, this, in Denver, for example, we've already postponed the tax that was going to be excuse me, the fee, whatever it's called in Denver, that was going to be put on using plastic bags because it was putting such a burden on restaurants, on other businesses right now. So that was postponed until July. We're now looking at optional delivering straws with to-go and napkins with to-go. They're small tokens right now, but for restaurants, it is tough. It is not going to be easy to add more restrictions on what they're doing when they're already cut back so much. 
David, is this an example of Democratic overreach that Republicans are waiting for? It's one of the most anti-environmental bills introduced in the Colorado legislature in, in this century, and it's going to be a great way to spread disease. Those cloth, organic grocery bags that people have. Testing shows 97% of people never wash them. 99% of those bags have bacteria in them like E. coli, salmonella. They're germ farms. Somebody takes their bag, puts it on a public restroom floor. Two weeks later, it's on the counter of the grocery checkout where your food's going to go. The pretext for this is plastic ends up in the ocean. Well, plastic that gets put in a Colorado landfill goes there in a safe, highly regulated way. It doesn't get hauled to Los Angeles where it's dumped in the Pacific. And what does get dumped in the oceans comes almost entirely from East Asia and Africa. The Danish Environmental Protection Agency did a study, life cycle study, of the plastic bags, which you, you use once for groceries and then you use it one more time as, say, as a wastebasket liner. The overall impact, how many times would you have to use a pl- your cloth bag to uh, be the same environmentally as the uh, plastic bag. For global warming impacts, 149 times. For overall harm to the environment, 20,000 times. So if you, don't, if you use a cloth bag rather than a plastic bag, you better get 20,000 uses off it before you stop harming the environment. Let's get a very quick take on this last one. Three Aurora police officers will, will remain fired after a posting picture mocking the chokehold that killed Elijah McLean. The Civil Service Commission voted to uphold Aurora Police Chief Vanessa Wilson's decision to terminate the officer's employment, stating that the decision will help the police department move forward in regaining the trust of the community. Natasha, we start with you on this quick take. Do you think it will help build, rebuild trust in the community? It's certainly a step in that direction. The commission said that, you know, it was important to look at these events um, not in a historical vacuum. And I think that that's um, a good reason for why they made the decision that they did. But in addition, this week, um, uh, Aurora also fired another cop for excessive force. So this is part of a larger story of what's happening within that police department and the community to look at the way that policing and public safety happens um, within that, that metro. How do you think Aurora officials would be the first to admit that Aurora has a long way to go? Is this a step in the right direction? I think so far Chief Wilson has done pretty well in showing she is willing to do hard things. We're still waiting for investigations on the Elijah McClain death to come out, so we'll see just how far people will go in punishment. David, does this seem to be on pretty steady legal ground? Yes, because first the uh, lawyers for the officers pointed out that other officers in the past who have done things that, you know, were not necessarily criminal, but they got fired, they got in trouble for doing things that bring the department into disrepute, like things you do on social media. Uh, Previous officers hadn't been punished so much, but as the commission said, well, we have a new police chief, and the police chief has a new policy, and that's within the, the chief's discretion. Eric, wrap it up for us. Good for the Civil Service Commission in Aurora to back up the chief. She is trying to do the right thing. It's tough work. It's tough circumstances. There's a history in Aurora uh, that needs to be redressed. So good for the commission for making it stick. Time for a very favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. As always, Patty, start us off. Well, we are finding out just how chummy the DMV has gotten with ICE and has been releasing information that they are not supposed to regarding immigration status. So they've been smacked down this week. That's good. David. 
This is a KN95 mask, the best way to protect yourself from the uh, CCP virus and lots of other things. A key feature is this tab where you can adjust it so it precisely fits around your nose and thereby avoid the leakage that occurs with almost all other masks. These are pantyhose. These are meant for women to wear in their southern regions. Which one do you think the Centers for Disease Control today told people they should wear over their face? Yeah, to me, the pretty strong visual aids there, Eric. The bar has been set high. You're up next. Uh, I don't even know where to go here, but uh, let me completely shift gears. The drip, drip, drip of news out of the Colorado Judicial Department and, and this, uh, the, the highest courts in this state. Uh, I'll tease the subject of my column in Colorado politics this Sunday in the Denver Gazette next Wednesday. Uh, that is the subject. And uh, there is a higher, higher level of scrutiny uh, that our judiciary and judicial department require. Natasha, we go to you for your disgrace of the week. I'm going to round back to the um, impeachment hearings um, simply because I think there's been a fair amount of conversation about how we don't need to have conversation um, uh, on this particular topic anymore and that we should move on. And I would argue the exact opposite, in fact, made that argument on a different point um, in today's show already. We are at a time in this country where more conversation um, cannot hurt us. I think it only can help us move forward. Time to say something nice about somebody. Patty? Nice news out of the tattered cover this week, which is partnering with the Human Experience, which was a legendary bookstore in this neighborhood in Five Points. So bringing it back, partnering, great new books to read. David? To follow up on Eric's point, the Denver Post for outstanding uh, reporting about this, the scandal involving the Attorney General's office and the uh, uh, Colorado Judicial Department, including uh, some in the Colorado Supreme Court. Eric, we go to you for your Say Something Nice. Sure. Uh, Federal Court of Appeals uh, Judge Carlos Lucero, who is retiring and stepping down from the bench. A good man, a good judge. Uh, He'll be missed and a a wonderful career. And Natasha, we go to you. Keeping my with my theme of talking a lot, um, I have to give kudos to the um, citizens of Denver who showed up to join in in the conversation about group living, whether they were for or against it. There were hours and hours and hours of people who wanted to share their opinions on the, the issue with um, their elected officials. So kudos to them. Well, I will add some kudos to all of our PBS 12 uh, viewers and our members. Uh, members know that uh, by helping make this show possible, one of the benefits they have, and I have to remind folks, especially on a cold weekend like we're about to have, uh, if you want to enjoy PBS 12 Passport, you can sit there and binge watch all of the shows that uh, you enjoy uh, on PBS and uh, all the seasons that are available, uh, whatever favorite dramas, documentaries, old antiques roadshows, whatever you want to watch. And if you're a PBS member, PBS 12 member, You've done something to help this show continue. You have this benefit, so be sure to take advantage of it. It's perfect on any weekend, but especially when it's going to be below zero. It's a perfect time to cuddle up and binge watch something on PBS 12 Passport. Uh, For everybody here at PBS 12 and Colorado Inside Out, thank you so much for watching. And a quick shout-out to all the folks who write us, tell us how they think, whether they like or dislike what they see. We love hearing from you, so thank you for doing that. Have a great weekend. Good night.